we go. What's up, Melanated family? This is your boy, Harrison, your host of the show. This is the Melanated Combo Podcast. I'm happy to have everybody back for another week. And of course, like I promised, we got a fire interview lined up for today on the show. Um, I have a sister named Shaquanda um, Cotton, who went through a, a, a terrible situation in Paris, Texas. Um, the sister wrote a book about it. So we're going to get into this. We're going to get into this information here in a minute. Again, thank you for tuning into the show. If you are listening to this on one of the digital platforms, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, all of them, make sure you hit that like, or I'm sorry, make sure you leave a review. If you're listening to it on a digital platform, you can help me out by leaving a review of the show. Tell me what you think of the show. So I welcome you guys to the show. Any of you guys listening digitally, if you would like to see the actual video at any time, you can always go to Melanated Fathers TV on YouTube. All my YouTube subscribers, everybody that's been rocking with me, everybody watching the show right now, thank you very much um, for riding with me as my channel continues to grow. You feel me? So if you're watching it on in video form on YouTube, please hit the like button. Subscribe to the Melanated Fathers TV YouTube channel. Like on that channel, like I always say, I've kind of changed it up just a little bit so you can find this show, the Melanated Combo Podcast. And you can also find um, the History Matters section where I talk about different times in history, people in history, places in history, just so we can get a clear understanding of, you know, what we've been through to help us understand where we're going. You feel me? So I'm excited, man. Let's get everything popping. As I always do on the show, the first segment of the show is dedicated to black businesses. If you care about your people, I see a lot of people online all the time. You, you see travesties in the community. You see police brutality. You see us getting fucked in the criminal justice system. You don't like all of this stuff. Well, one of the ways you can help us out is by supporting black businesses. One of the ways that you can kind of circumvent how we're treated in this country is if we all kind of unified mentally and create our own Black Wall Streets. We spend a lot of money with people outside of our community, and I'm not telling you to stop buying your Gucci and shit. Just, you know, take a little bit of that bread and buy something from someone who looks like you. Not only are you going to help their family, but in, in actuality, you're going to help the whole ecosystem, which is the Black community. You feel me? So let's get everything popping with the Black... Oh. Before I go to the black businesses, I don't typically talk about any more news stories and shit on the show, but I want to give this brother a shout out really quickly. Shout out to the brother Kyrie Irving for standing on his square, right? This is like a Muhammad Ali moment, a Colin Kaepernick moment, if you will. You know what I mean? Because I got kind of pissed off. I'm watching Stephen A. Smith's coon ass speak about my brother in the fact that he don't want to take a damn vaccine. So his team, he, you know, he's employed by an organization that's telling him he needs to take a vaccine to play. He like, fuck that. I don't want to. That inspires me. Like standing on your own too, it, it expires me to the fullest degree. Stephen A. Smith, like he always do, this goddamn coon nigga went on his platform and he's calling Kyrie stupid and talking down to him. I can't fucking stand black men who treat other black men this way now listen if you think he should get the vaccine to play a damn game sure you're a commentator your job is to speak on sports say that say brother my opinion is you need to but this nigga here gotta go he's stupid he's just stupid like nigga fuck you look black people 
everybody listen to the sound of my voice. Make sure you're in your kids' lives. Make sure your children, this is why history is so important to me. This is, this is why our history is so important to me. Don't raise no goddamn coon. Now, listen, I understand that some of us have to work in corporate America. There's nothing wrong with having a job in corporate America, having a white boss. This is just the structure that we're under. I say get a goddamn business, but whatever. If you want to work for a company, cool. Do that shit. But learn how to shut the fuck up. If, if I'm working in a position where I know I'm like a revolutionary thinking black man, right? I say no comment before I coon, right? I like that statement. Say no comment before you coon, goddammit. Because <laughs> I'm watching Stephen A. Smith, as he always do. This no hairline having nigga. You, you, you coming at, this is just stupid. I'm, his whole thing is about his white bosses. Everything for him is appeasing white mommy and daddy. Black folks, don't raise your kids to be ass kissers. We live in a society where we're 13%, 14% of the population, but it's 50% of us in the prison system. The prison system, the school system is fucked up, as me and the sisters going to talk about here in a minute. We're at war with this system and have been since we got here, right? We still ain't got our reparations for all the shit that's going on. So I'm not even telling you, if you don't want to be a revolutionary black person where you're always speaking up, and speak, cool, support black businesses, do shit on the under. But when topics come up, when you have such a big platform as Stephen A. Smith does, and topics come up that can sway, that can sway the mentality of our people, figure out an articulate way to say no fucking comment. If I don't want to take a vaccine, listen, I'm 41 years old. Since I've been alive, I've seen nothing like Corona, not the deaths because other diseases kill people just as much as the Corona, just the push to get us vaccinated, the push to control our society to a degree. If you're a person who's vaccinated, cool. If you decide not to get vaccinated, cool. I'm not going to come at you either way, but being skeptical, being skeptical of America should be common practice for anybody with fucking melanin, right? They lie about everything. Columbus Day was just the other day. This nigga's a goddamn liar. <laughs> he didn't discover America. He didn't discover America. Thanksgiving's coming up. Bullshit, right? Even though I am having my third annual Thanksgiving dinner for the community because I love my people, even though I don't fuck with the holiday. You know what I mean? <laughs> but... Don't be like Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. Raise your kids to have to be black men with backbones. Because listen, in 1804, and I always say this, it's kind of funny to me, but whatever. In 1804, when the Haitians won that war against the French and all these other white folks, the first thing they did, right? And then I'll move on to my businesses. The first thing they did that helped them win that war is they got rid of all the coons. They were smart. They said, wait a minute, because you got to think about it. In slavery, over a hundred and something slave revolts were thwarted because coons, because niggas wanted butter biscuits. You feel me? Niggas was scared. You see what I'm saying? So to win a war, like if we ever get into some, <laughs> if we ever get into some revolutionary shit, the coons in the fence centers got to go first. So that's all I say about that. Fuck Stephen A. Smith. And I try to make it a point. Not to come on my platform and dog other black men. I don't know what, what men be going through. I don't want to throw you under the bus, especially if I can reach out to you and talk to you. But 
a public he gets on his platform which is public so if he's publicly gonna talk about this shit, we can publicly address what he's saying you know what i mean so all bullshit to decide he's absolutely wrong Kyrie should have the right to do this and this man has given up i think almost 40 million dollars a year if that ain't a man what the fuck is right if that ain't integrity what is you should on some real shit we need to be on code stephen a smith should be able to let's say he thinks um because of his white bosses in his situation he doesn't want to rock he, he doesn't want to rock the cradle cool nigga say no comment then call Kyrie on the side and be like go ahead boy do your shit that's how you supposed to do it behind closed doors so again fuck Stephen A Smith back to the schedule program let's get to these black businesses first black business let me take a look here let me share my screen because I do a post on Facebook and other social media sites where I have people send me their information so I can support my people okay let's share it let's see here let me see how it looks okay hold on one second i'm gonna put it on the whole screen here so you can see it okay diamond party rentals is the first black business for today diamond party rentals right and this is a business started by my sister tilly burks tilly burks now this is a business that is serving the yolo and central valley area so this is like a northern california business like i always say if this isn't a business you can't get to because you don't live here quite frankly then support someone around you that does the same kind of business or use it as an idea for you right this may be something you want to start in your hometown right so diamond party rental so if you're having a party right like a lot of us do and you don't want to deal with like getting the tables setting everything up like sometimes we want to just focus on um getting presents we want to just focus on having fun sometimes you don't want to focus on all the um small details right if that's you then hook up with my girl from diamond party rentals where she'll bring the tables she'll bring the tablecloths um she'll get everything popping for you she also has she does the event planning so if you don't even want to have to plan the event she'll help you take care of that so again she has the linen for the tables the tents um chairs the glassware and all of this is at an affordable rate so again if you don't want to have to deal with the uh the the parting the the, the party planning phase of getting your party popping or you don't want to have to deal with getting tables or getting tablecloths to make everything look nice. Holla at my sister Tilly Burks. This is a family-owned business. Something I want to read to you really quickly, just to give you a little information about the sister and her family, because I think it's inspiring why she started the business. So, in 2015, Diamond Party Rentals is a small. It was started in 2015. It's a small family-operated business that has become the premier party rental company in Northern California. Diamond Party Rentals mission is to provide professional and fun rental experience tilly burke started diamond party rentals with the ultimate goal in mind to show her four children that pursuing your passion will lead to fulfilling your dreams her motto is the sky is the limit i wanted to read that part because sometimes we don't understand the effect of um being a trailblazer can have on the next generation right the odds are right and this is just some real shit. if you are a business owner mildly successful to extremely successful and you have children watching this nine times out of ten they are going to want to be business owners as well right so 
all this speaks to because we understand how corporate America works. Shit, we live in a white world to a degree. You know what I mean? So it's important that we like go out on our own and figure out things we can do on our own. And since I'm one who has begun to do that, there's no better feeling than creating your own success. There's no better feeling than having intellectual property that nobody can't take from you. You feel me? So shout out to this sister for paving a way for her children. And, and it looks like business is doing great for her. So please, if you're interested in having your party planned or you just need to rent some tables some tablecloths, she'll bring it there and do it up for you. It'll, it'll look great. You know what I mean? So please go to diamondpartyrentals.com, diamondpartyrentals.com, or you can contact the sister at 530-554-6647. Ooh, look at that right there. That's, that's sharp right there. You know what I mean? Look at that. You know what I mean? That, that's not that's not no man type shit, but a woman would love that. Feel me? Even even guys, think about that, guys. If you throwing a party for your girl and she walked in and seen all this, boy, you gonna get something. Never mind. <laughs> but this is nice. This is nice. This is elegant, and this is one of our sisters. So let's support Tilly Burks in her endeavors. You feel me? So next black next black business because I got my sister waiting. So let me hurry up and do this so we can get to that. You know what I mean? Next black business is Char Star Home Decor and Apparel. Let me bring that on real quick. Okay, this is Char Star Home Decor and Apparel. I thought this was pretty cool. Like, again, um, um, she does decorative pillows, right? So a lot of women, like, again, I'm not sure if a dude would want some of his pillows looking like this, but you live with a woman, she would love this family. Look at what she do to pillows. You know what I mean? This is pretty interesting to me because a lot, see, you could you could put your kids on a pillow or someone you love, like someone that passed away maybe, you know what I mean? She has really elegant pillows and we all like, you know, I was bullshitting about being a man or not, but you can like, a lot of us have pillows on our couches, right? I, I think it makes your couch look elegant makes your couch look comfortable. Think about if you can bling it out a little bit, you know what I mean? And if you do decorative pillows, two decorative pillows is 40 bucks. Um, four decorative pillows is $70. Six decorative pillows is $90. So this is the sister, Charletta Star. Charletta Star is the sister's name. Look at that, y'all, that's nice. You know what I mean? Fellas, you wanna get your girl something for Christmas, to, something for Christmas, something for a birthday, you can order some of these decorative pillows from the sister Charletta. You know what I mean? Look at that. This is actually really, really nice. Something, and actually, I've never seen a decorative pillow before. I mean, that may be just being a man, but I've never seen it before. But this is extremely nice. You can go to her Facebook page to place an order if you like, which is Char Star Home Decor and Apparel. That's Char Star Home Decor and Apparel. S H R S T A R R Home Decor and Apparel. She has her phone number and everything on here. I think she's from the Baltimore area, but she ships everywhere, right? That's something I wanted to make sure everybody was aware of. Because I know she isn't in California like I am, but she ships everywhere. So you can get her pillows shipped to your home, wherever you are in the United States. If you place an order of $60 or more, the shipping is free. If you go to her Facebook page, you can ask her questions. She responds quickly. When I reached out to her to let her know I wanted to have her product on the show, she responded promptly. You know what I mean? So come on, man. We got to support our people trying to step outside of the box. Like Again, it's nothing wrong with having a job. Nothing wrong with working. We have to support our families and do what we have to do. But if someone has a dream 
if someone has a creative endeavor that they're embarking on, that's beautiful to me. You feel me? So everybody go to Char Star Home Decor and Apparel. Check out what the sister is doing today. The phone number is on the Facebook page. You can order yourself a pillow. If you shop with either one of these companies, please leave a good review. Please reach out to the sisters and let them know that you enjoyed their product. Tell your friends about it. You feel me? Now, to the interview. I found this sister because she had one of the more one of the more interesting stories. Um, um, we understand how the prison industrial complex has treated our people. We understand how law enforcement, the public school system, we understand how we've been failed by these entities. Right. So this sister has an interesting story um, that I just thought the family needed to know. You know what I mean? So I'm going to bring the sister on so we can get the interview popping so I can ask her about her story and she'll tell you guys, you know, what's actually what actually happened. And one of the most inspiring things is she wrote a book because of her situation called Memoirs of a Teacher Slapping Bitch, which I got <laughs> I got to find out why the name, but the name kind of got me too. That's a, that's a great name for our books. And we'll get into her story right now. So my sister Shaquita Cotton. How you doing, sister? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So like I was saying, like in the intro, when I was talking to you, um, going through what you went through is a travesty. But the fact that you decided to create a book and share your story with people and hopefully your story and hearing about what, what happened um, would actually inspire other people to take their unfortunate situation. So basically, the sister was accused of shoving a hall monitor named Cleta Brownsfield at Paris High School on September 30th, 2005. In 2006, she was sentenced to up to seven years in prison for that bullshit, y'all. Now, Judge Chuck Superville claimed that the probation was not an option, even though the 14, she was 14 at the time, y'all. She had no prior offenses um, or juvenile referrals or anything like that. And she actually ended up doing, I think, like a year. But let's talk to the sister about it. So first off, first thing I want to ask you is um, you're from Paris, Texas, right? Um, yes. Well, I'm originally from Armour, Oklahoma. We moved to Paris in um, 99, I believe. Okay. And um, do you still live in Paris now? Yes. Okay. So... Talk to me before you explain kind of your situation. Talk to me about the climate in Paris, Texas at that time, as far as um, the racial component goes. Like, was it a real racist city? Yeah. Hmm. It's, it's been this way since, uh, since we moved here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So explain to everybody just briefly what from you know briefly what happened on that day that that caused you to be arrested um that morning started like any other morning and i usually i either eat breakfast at school or i eat at home and then i go to take my medication um this particular morning miss um brownfield was the hall monitor at the door um i went to try to make entry into the building and she wouldn't let me in. She said I couldn't come in the building because the first bell had already rang. And so I said, okay, I walked off. And I believe there was two more girls that was with me. 
um, I turned to walk off, and as I'm walking off, I notice a group of white girls going to the door. So I just kind of stand around to see if she was going to let them in. And when she did, and when she did, I went back to ask her why did she let them gain entry into the building, and I couldn't go to the nurse to take my medicine like I always do. And by this time, she's yelling at me, saying that I'm not coming back in the building. I can't. I'm not coming into the building. And so it's just a bunch of yelling going on because she's yelling and she's pushing backwards. I mean, she's pushing me backwards onto the people behind me. And so I think I won't say it was probably about the third push. I just kind of stuck my hands up and she pushed off of my hands, but my hands never extended. And from there, there was a, a guy teacher. He came out and he was, going to assist in getting me out the building. And in turn, he pushed me into the middle door and I had a contusion on my head and a um, laceration in my hand from where the pencil stuck in my hand from when I fell into the door. Um, At this time, I had a whole bunch of people yelling at me to go to the office and I went to the principal's office. I sat there maybe... Two hours. Um, they never called my mom. One of the girls that was with me actually ended up sneaking um, to the phone and calling my mom and letting her know that they basically had me trapped in the office and they weren't calling my mom or they wouldn't let anyone know what was going on. So um, once my mom made it, um, I showed her the cameras which camera to ask the view where the incident happened because it took them two hours, you know, to come back and say, well, we're going to call an ambulance because you hurt somebody. And I was like, I was confused because I know for one, I didn't hurt anyone. And then it had been two hours later, you know? And so um, that's when I ended up ultimately being arrested for that day. Hmm. Okay, so you're 14 at the time, right? Yeah. Damn, that's such a young age. All right. So when you first got to jail, like before um, you got sentenced and, you know, and all that happened, like what was going through your mind as a 14-year-old? When you're putting handcuffs, you're in the back of a car, what was going through your mind? Mm, I can't really recall, but... Hmm. If I was to take a guess, I I was real naive, so I mm. probably thought that this is as far as it's gonna go. You know, my mom's here now, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they had okay. different plans. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay, so even like, so even when you went to jail, they made you, you know, they kind of put you in a position where you knew you had to stay there. Were you, is there a point where you got real scared? Like, oh shit, I don't know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Well, um, actually that day, um, they were trying to send me to juvenile that day. They had took me and booked me in at the Paris Police Department. They were going to send me to um, juvenile, but the probation officer at the time requested that I be released to my mom's care. So, 
I was able to go home with her until the trial. And so mm -hmm. the trial came around. I figured they would just tell the truth because that's what I've always known. When you go mm -hmm. to the court and you're sworn and you have to tell the truth. And mm -hmm. they yeah, so lies. Definitely, definitely. So once you got, so did the judge, because you only did like a year in jail, right? Yeah. So the judge actually sentenced you to seven years, right? Yes. So you're in the courtroom and you hear him say seven years. I'm sure you couldn't believe it, right? I'm I'm just trying to put myself in that position. Being So 14, wait, 14, you were a freshman or were you in eighth grade? I was a freshman. A freshman in high school. Mm -hmm. Damn, damn. So when you heard the seven-year sentence, like, how, do you remember how that made you feel or what was going through your mind? Uh, I just busted out crying. It's, <laughs> it's all I could do because I had never been away from my family. Uh, mm -hmm. Never been away from my mom, my brother. Uh, never been in trouble. So I was really confused because I couldn't understand why they were doing this. Hmm. Hmm. Now, being in that type of facility, because I was reading somewhere where the facility that you were in and you can stop you can correct me if you need to the facility that you were in was kind of unjust like how they treated you guys um as far as the different types of abuse that you had to endure so did you have like a horrible year being i know just being in jail was some horrible shit, but being a 14 year old girl being in that type of facility was was it like how did you feel being in there? Like, did they treat you bad? Um, did you have to fight people? Like, what was the environment like? Um, I never had to physically fight anyone. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of compared to what you see on TV, the way that they treat you. Um, mm -hmm. I don't treat you with dignity or respect or anything because they figure if you're there, you don't deserve that much. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, I just kind of went in a way to, I guess, make people like, make the guards like me or make the guards treat me nice, per se. Um, just anything mm -hmm. that I could do to lighten the situation because mm -hmm. I was confused. I really didn't know what to do. I just knew I wanted to go home. Hmm. Now, I was reading somewhere that once you got in there, uh, the news got around and like, um, I think it was Ricky Smiley and other and other individuals, you know, got word of what was going on with you. And thankfully, they kind of used their voices in their platform to assist you a little bit. So my question is, because I was reading this, but I wanted to kind of know from your perspective, did the protests? And all of the uproar about your situation, is that what participated in you not needing to do the full seven years? Yes. Mm. Um, I was causing too much ruckus for that town. And yeah. I, I believe uh, the seat got too hot for them. Mm -hmm. And they had to do something. Yeah. That just makes me think about that. It, it's so fortunate that you were able to um, it's unfortunate you had to do a year in jail, 
but it's fortunate that you were able to come out of there earlier than expected. And I was driving today thinking, damn, how many people didn't have a Ricky Smiley, right? How many people in jail don't have some type of celebrity advocate who they probably in jail now for some bullshit that they didn't really do. You know what I mean? So I just, I'm happy we were able to, they were able to shed light on what the system was doing to you. Now, I also read that because of your situation, like other cases in that juvenile center, they reviewed other cases in that center to see if any of those young people um, were treated unfairly as well, right? And uh, as a result of that, I believe it was 500 were free. 500 people? Damn. Damn, damn. So you know what? I mean, the bright side of it a little bit is you were the catalyst to kind of releasing 500 people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Now, from your understanding, has that, even your town, like your town and that juvenile system, have you seen any changes? Like, have you seen like any politicians or any people of authority step up to make sure young black and brown people aren't treated like that anymore? No. Damn. Damn. No, it's unfortunate, but we don't, I mean, it's just the few in the community that stands up or try to get something done, but other than that, we don't have much support Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when it comes to things like that. Okay, and also I was reading that throughout the case, and even after, like even after, newspapers, I read like some horrible fucking newspapers, like how they spoke about you, right? Like you kind of caused the problem, like you were ruining Paris, Texas or some shit. I'm like, this is crazy. How did you and your family deal with that? Like opening up your local newspaper or people calling you or texting you or showing you news articles were really just lies, like slanderous lies. How did you and your family deal with that? After after I was released, I kind of just went in, in the background. So um, it bothered me, but I didn't really let it show mm-hmm. that um, it bothered me. I just I've gotten this thing to where I just kind of keep going, just keep mm-hmm. going, just keep going. And mm-hmm. Now, because um, I want to get to the book in a minute, but like ultimately, after going through that situation, do you think like it changed you at all? Did it change how you, no, okay, let me ask you this. Before that happened, like you and your family, the black folks around you, were you guys used to dealing with racism in Paris, Texas? Mm-hmm. Well, my mom and my aunt Brenda Cherry, um, they're local activists, and so oh. they've done activist work since we moved here. Uh-huh. And um, so, yeah, that created a lot of ill will towards not just them but towards their children as well oh wait a minute wait 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 so you saying even before this happened to you your mom was like a local activist in the city 
me. Oh, and, and here I'm trying. I'm trying to get some perspective from my own thinking. Is Paris, Texas, pretty small? Like a place where, like most, like everybody know each other, kinda. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, so they knew who your mama was too. Yeah. Oh, so I'm sure when this happened to you, your mom had a lot to do with the protest then, right? She had a lot to do with being like an advocate. She was already an advocate for her people, but some shit like this happened to her daughter. I'm sure she jumped into action. Yeah, it was actually um, a situation of um, they were going, you know, to the schools to help with situations where, you know, ultimately the teachers, you know, they don't tell the truth a lot. And so mm -hmm. they were going and actually digging into things, seeing what happened, and then the things that weren't true, trying to get those things removed, because, you know, that stuff follows you mm -hmm. all through school, and it paints a picture of you for the next grade, you know, so they already yep. have this perception of who they think you are just based on what comes across your file, and so mm -hmm. this was actually um, my case was a case of pure um what do you call it uh retaliation mm -hmm. it was that's it it wasn't i didn't go really go to jail for per se as they're saying i pushed the hall monitor it was solely based on the fact that if we can't do anything to you then we'll do the next best thing and that's your children and they Damn. not only just targeted me, they targeted my brother and they targeted my cousin, my aunt's son. Like they had to be removed from school. And I was the only one that was still left in school because mm -hmm. I wanted to go to school. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's the situation that happened. It was um, the principal that day that um, this happened actually told my mom that he wanted to personally see me prosecuted. Hmm. Damn, damn. It's it's so sad to hear these kind of stories. And Shaquan, that's one of the reasons why I started my platform. Like the name of my YouTube channel is Melanated Fathers TV because I'm a, you know, I'm a black man, 41 years old. I have, I have five kids. I have four kids by the age of, of like 22 years old. You know what I mean? So I was moving real fast and just being in the urban community, dealing with everything that we deal with. I began to become the man I am today, I think, when I started to read about history. And really, I think it's equivalent to like how some people find God. Like I found black people. You know what I mean? <laughs> I began to read about us and understand. You find out things for yourself. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? You find, you find out things for yourself. And that motivated me to say, we still go through too much in this country. So as many of us who can stand up and speak out, because like I was just talking about Stephen A. Smith, I was being funny with his punk ass. But that's the mentality that a lot of black men have in this country. Like we we rather shut up like we understand the a lot of men understand the benefit of being quiet. Like if I'm quiet, I can make a lot of money. These white folks gonna like me. And that's what black people have to get over. Like, I think what you did was revolutionary. For instance, you could have 
been told to go the other way, seen the white girls going in, and still went the other way. You could have ignored. Now, of course, I didn't want you, nobody want to see you in jail, but you could have ignored that moment of rebellion where it's like, nah, <laughs> you just said can't nobody go in that motherfucker. Becky just went in there. Becky just went in there. Hell no. I, now, look, that's, I think a lot of times things change in our society when black people do that. Now, you all, it's always the first one, always get it the worst. So you end up being the sacrificial lamb to a degree where you got to go sit in jail yeah. and shit. But if, because think about this, if from what I'm, from what I'm seeing, if that didn't happen to you, 500 youth would still be in that youth facility. They still would have been in that youth facility, but your yeah. situation had to shake everything up. You know what I mean? Yeah. That reminds me of like a Muhammad Ali or any of the black men from our past who took a stance. That's why I spoke about Kyrie Irving the way that I did, because in the clip that I seen with Stephen A. Smith, they're talking about how he's going to ruin his legacy. When in actuality, if as a person, your legacy is the job, the job that you had, then I don't think you did good enough. Your legacy should be based on what you stood for. It should be based yeah. on how you treated your family. You know what I mean? So to me, that was like some revolutionary shit that you did. And I wanted to like bring you on here to thank you for that. Like whether you realize that or not, you had to spend that little time in jail. But that incident kind of sparked change. And now let me ask you this too. Like you mentioned how you seen the white girls going in and you was like, nah, I'm going to. Now that mentality to do that. Does that did that come from like your mom being a person that stood up for her people or whatever? Uh, yeah, I think um, I got a lot of her in me, and mm -hmm. so um, I just I didn't like to be mistreated, and I felt like mm -hmm. if if you're saying nobody can come in, then that means nobody not. Becky, not Shawanda, mm -hmm. not <laughs> nobody. Nobody means <laughs> nobody. Shit. Right. <laughs> now tell me. So, ten years after the incident, you decided to write a book. Now tell me what, because like you said, after it happened, you kind of faded to the background. Like I'm gonna just live my life. I don't want to talk about this shit. I don't want to read about it. I don't want to hear about it. What made you finally say, "Nah, I'm telling my side of the story." Uh. I think it come from me finally um, realizing just how much damage was done, um, especially after I had uh, my own children. Hmm. Then it kind of turned a new leaf for me because then I started paying attention to the depression spells that I was having. and. Um, I really feel like now is the time to start the healing process so that I'm the best I can be for my children. Yep. Yep. And I think sometimes a way to control a situation that, that you've been through is to address it head on. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, uh, address it head on so you can get through it. And that book is going to be read 
by your kids, of course, but it's be read by your grandkids as well. You know what I mean? And the fucked up part is just like I Googled your name and it was some it was some fair articles, but it was a whole bunch of bullshit too. So you gotta imagine your kid get 15, 16 and hear about all of this, excuse me, then Google you and hear these people talking shit about you. I think that book is important. So you can tell them, no, 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 no. Don't read none of that. Read this. I, I'm read the story from my lips. You know what I mean? All right. Now, how long has the book been out? Um, the book was published in June of this year. June of this year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So after releasing it, um, did it feel like like a weight was off of your shoulders? Did did you feel like some relief, or how did you feel after releasing the book? Mm, I was I was still a little reserved, but um I feel like it it did take some relief off. Um to be able to just talk about it. Um it kinda helps. Mm-hmm. So and then I'm getting better each time that I do talk about it. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. And on my show, I've had I've done like a series where I talk to dudes or men and women who um, had to spend time in the penitentiary. You know what I mean? And and I felt kind of the same way about them where they probably sometimes you just want to not bring shit up. Sometimes you want to just almost forget about things. You know what I mean? But if if that happens or you try to do that it always comes back up. So you, like I said, you have to deal with it head on and talking to these dudes about what they did in the penitentiary and how the system treated them. I can just see, and I would talk to them later. I can see how it made them feel better. Just because shit, that's why people go to psychiatrists. Like they don't, they help you, but yeah, what they really do is allow you to talk in um, a non-biased way. Because sometimes talk to your mama, talk to your cousin, talk to somebody you, you know it's a little different than sitting down and talking to somebody you don't know really but getting that off your chest sometimes we be going through shit and mentally we're going over it in our head but we've never really said out loud what we're dealing with or how it has hurt us you know what i mean so right. yeah so that's why i'm i'm happy you wrote that book um i wish you i wish you much success for, um, um, with the book as well now another question so you're still in Paris. Um, do you get treated funny? Like when you go to a store or you go different places, do they be like, there, there she go right there? <laughs> yes. Um, and I know you said you were going to ask about the name of my book. And yeah. that's actually where the name originated from. Um, I was working at a nursing home and one of the head charge nurses, I had missed the night of work and she was um, up there telling all the other employees that I was a teacher slapping bitch and (laughs) all kind of stuff. So that's kind of where that name came from. It's just going to show that even after all that time, you know, that's still something that they grasp onto. Mm -hmm. And then she grasped on grasps on to um 
what she was reading in the newspapers and so all yeah. the bad things about me, even though yeah. you had worked with me plenty of <laughs> plenty of <laughs> nights. And, but yep, she so still, you, uh, yeah. yeah, they took all the bad things that they could from everything that was put out and that's who they painted me to be. Mm-hmm. Pretty much but, the world. <laughs> just the brilliant title of the book Fuck that. You take the power back from their ass. I'm going to use the right. same shit you tried to do to me. I'm going to use the shit against you and I'm going to make a little money while I'm doing it too. God damn it. Right. You live in America. <laughs> well, I think that's what white folks do all the time. Boy, they go do some shit. They write about it. They go do yeah. some shit. They go through something and they go do a goddamn workshop. You know what I mean? I'm going to teach yeah. you how to not go through this. You know what I mean? That's the American right. way. Shit. Don't feel bad about writing that book. Shit. Write a part two. <laughs> <laughs> don't feel bad about telling your story because not only can it help you, but I promise you, some other kid, some other black kid in your city is going to read that book or they're going to get wind of what happened to you and then find out that you have the strength to write about it. They may be in class going through something with some of these teachers and don't know who to talk to. You know what I mean? Because I think sometimes as parents, black parents, if you listen to the sound of my voice, listen to your damn kids. Yes. If your kid yes. come home, if your kid come home and say Miss Smith treated me funny today, she had me in the corner while I was she treated me like I was bad, and all the other kids was doing the same shit and they ain't getting trouble. You got to go up to that school. You got to listen yes. to your kid you because yep, yep. Because one of the biggest problems I think in the public school system for one they're under they're underfunded, two. 90 percent probably of the teachers are white middle class women right and the problem with society like one of the reasons why white folks don't fuck with us like that (laughs) i think one of the main reasons that's why the the title of my platform is melanin because melanin is the the difference between us and other people the way we the way we walk the way we talk the way we dance Believe it. All that shit is melanin. We're one with the sun. Everybody else ain't. You know what I mean? So they got something against it. So I think it's important for us to kind of understand that these teachers, when they see a young black person, the way we act, the way we talk loud sometimes, like our mannerisms, the biggest problem is they don't live around nobody black. So they go from their all white community where they never really, they say, I've got one black friend, that shit don't count, where they're, where they're not socialized to be around us. So if you get yourself in an environment where you're a teacher, where you're here with this kid for six, seven hours, or a police officer, where you're having these interactions with black people, and you don't live around us, you don't know people that are black like that, because America acts like we're integrated, but not really. Most, most of the neighborhoods in America it's all black, like the really nice neighborhoods. A lot of them is all white. If you go to the hood, it's pretty much all black. I think a part of the reason why we have found it okay with some white folks, because we have to be around them. And because we have to be around them, you will instantly find it, okay, he full of shit, she cool, he full of shit. You're going to treat them like regular people. You're going to say, okay, some of them is cool, some of them ain't. They don't have the opportunity to do that with us. So they look on TV and they see big, big black niggas like Terrell Owens and they see T.I. And they be like, OK, you T.I. You know what I mean? They put us all in one bucket. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's important what you did, sister. And um, I salute you, man. Now, through that process, um, like 
with you going to jail, you getting out. I'm pretty sure that was hard on your family, right? Because they're living, they're in the same city. So they're listening to everything that's going on and hearing how you're being talked about, right? Right. Now you um, now you said now go ahead. Now you can go ahead. Now you said you had a brother. Is your brother younger than you, older than you? Uh, he's older than me. He's older. Did he have mm -hmm. to go through anything? You said they took your well, you said earlier that your brother and your cousin, they had to take them out of school, right? Because of how mm -hmm. they were being treated. Yeah. Mm, and they what they had started to target them, and so um, they were taken out of school. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that so one thing, even though it's hella devious, one thing that white people have a handle on is they have like a code of conduct, meaning, um, you can, and this is a small way, then I'll get into something bigger. You can get on an elevator. Not all. This is not all white folks. So don't be DMing DM me and shit. I don't care. This ain't all white folks. But you can get on an elevator with all white folks. And they can be having a good old time. Like they can be white folks who don't even know each other really. They just met on the fucking elevator. Right? You get on the elevator. They all shut up. They're like, Niggers in here. You know what I mean? I knew you was going to say that. <laughs> I've seen it happen. I'm like, damn, these motherfuckers got osmosis. You know what I mean? They know a nigger's around. As soon as the door opens, and they kind of give you that half smell, like, clutch your purse. Take that motherfucking purse with one arm. What you clutching it gonna do? You know what I mean? And on a bigger scale, they'll say the mama out there causing trouble. Okay, you all you out there trying to free, free the goddamn slave, so to speak. All right, yeah. Let's go get her. Let's go get her family. You know what I mean? And that's some right. diabolical shit. But black folks need to learn how to do that. We need to learn how to say, all right, everything ain't for the public. Some things we gonna talk about behind closed doors. Sometimes, like when I see this happen to you. When I see a black man, I'm in Sacramento, California. If I see a black man get shot in Dallas, in New York, in Milwaukee, it don't matter. That's my brother. That's how I'm viewing it. You know what I mean? I don't separate us by how much money we got. I don't separate us by what country we come or what, um, what island we come from. Because we got brothers and sisters here from Haiti and the Caribbean. We got brothers and sisters here from Africa. You know what I mean? I look at us all as one, even though some of them kind of don't from time to time. But we all need to look at each other as one and, and create like some sort of code of conduct that we all can conduct ourselves under. Because relying on politicians, that's why I personally, and I say it all the time, I'll say it publicly, I don't give a shit. I don't really vote in the presidential election per se. The local elections, sometimes you can make a difference, but what regardless of what old white man is in power that shit ain't gonna change much what's gonna change things is if we as the people decide we want to change shit and that can be feeding your people that can be creating some type of organization but the bottom the biggest thing is just loving black people you know what i mean 
when I see somebody black doing something positive, whether I know you or not, I salute them. That's why I do the black businesses just to show people that we're actually all in this shit together because Stephen A. Smith, no hairline, have an ass. Let a white <laughs> bitch come out and say he touched her. He'll see. Yeah. See, I don't like it. See, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to get my nigga wake up call. That's why I just stay away. You know what I mean? I just make it simple. I just stay away. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to get no job in no big ass company. Start shitting on black folks. Then they get that email like, "Yeah, he touched Sarah incorrectly five years ago." <laughs> now all your goddamn bosses gonna be like, "Hey, Stephen, go home. Cut your hair off, nigga." So. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, it's definitely over. <laughs> it's definitely over. You know what I mean? And then when the white society don't want you no more, then you want to come back to us. Then you want to come yeah. back and touch your power. We don't want you. <laughs> yeah, I already trained. You know what I mean? You already, <laughs> you already yeah, told your you other side. Yeah, you want to come back over here with your damn fist up? Nah, it's too late. Or, or when it's one of they sons, daughters, cousins, ain't granny. See, they want to come back. You, yes, you be in a position where, yeah, police brutality is bad, but we need to pick ourselves up by our bootstraps. I mean, he shouldn't have got out the car. I mean, he, you start making all these excuses. Yeah. So your cousin get his damn brains blown out. Now you're like, hey, fuck these cops. Well, nigga, we've been telling you. These cops ain't shit. You know what I mean? So my my purpose while I'm on this earth, because my family um owns a funeral home here in Sacramento. And one of the biggest things I see is people having like unfulfilled dreams or people wishing their family members kind of wishing the person would have done this or done that. And it just lets me know like it connects me with my mortality. Like, we're not going to be here forever. You know what I mean? And I'm hearing obituaries getting read, and I'm thinking, hmm, you know, interesting list of things that this person did. But for me, I want to change the world in a way, one way or the other. Not just take care of my family, which is a given. You got to take care of your family. You got to love your kids. You got to communicate with your kids. Do the best that you can. It's hard for a lot of us who didn't have fathers or didn't have stable homes. So we're kind of teaching ourselves how to be good parents on the go. So that's important, but that's important. But ultimately, like, how did you affect the world? You know what I mean? How, how did you, when you leave here, what kind of imprint would you have that people can look at and be inspired by? You know what I mean? Right. Definitely. So I appreciate you coming on, sister. I you hope you sell a million books. I hope you keep telling your story. I know it seems like you're a little shy and you're a little reserved, but people can learn from what you went through. You know what I mean? Because if I was you, shit, <laughs> I'd be on a book tour telling these kids, hey, this shit can happen to you. This shit, nobody, no, none of our, I'm making jokes and shit, but none of us are exempt from that type of treatment. Right. And there are several versions of Paris, Texas, all throughout the United States. And I think what they, what they depend on is our silence. What they depend on is us not fighting back. You know what I mean? So yeah. salute to you, sister, for fighting back and excuse me, and really taking control of your narrative. Thank so everybody, you. this is Shaquanda Cotton. Tell everybody where they can get your book. 
Uh, my book can be purchased on Amazon, Lulu, and Barnes and Noble. And what's the name of the book again? It's called Memoir of a Teacher Slapping Bitch. I am Shaquanda Cotton. That's dope. I like I like the cover. I like the name. That's some catchy Thanks. shit right there. So everybody, Thanks. this is Shaquanda Cotton. She has a brand new book out talking about the injustices that she's had to deal with. This is let this be an example. Like if you had to go through something, regardless, it could be with this system. It could be being molested. It can be um, domestic violence. Like take control of your narrative. Like on some real shit, Shaquanda, stress kills. Stress no. heals. Depression is real. Like these are real things that people have to go through. And sometimes it's simply because they bottle up whatever has happened to them, not understanding that there's a million people who've been through something similar. You know what I mean? All right. And who knows what you can do to help them out. So this has been another episode of the Melanated Convo podcast. I thank you guys for tuning in. You know, I make a lot of jokes and try to make things funny, but this was a serious situation that this sister probably still dealing with to a degree, but she's taking some of the power back by controlling her, her own narrative. And I appreciate that. And I respect that. This has been another episode of the Melanated Convo podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you don't subscribe to the channel, man, you plan. I got it popping over there. No, I ain't rapping. No, I ain't talking about entertainment or all kind of bullshit. But come to your boy for the knowledge. You want you want to hear a great interview? You want to hear some dialect about what your people go through and some inspiration? Come to my YouTube channel. You want to hear some information about history? Learn why you all fucked up. <laughs> Sometimes as black folks, we don't even know why we crazy. You're crazy for a reason. Shit. My last name Anderson. They ain't no African shit. Like we stolen slaves around this motherfucker. We, <laughs> we got to come to grips with that, okay? That we've been stolen and brought here. So get that's why you gotta yeah tote your Bible, but read some other shit too. Like read about your history, read about things that have happened, so you can know that her situation and other situations is nothing more than history repeating itself. And Paris, Texas, I'm sure. Shaquanda, I read this book called um, um, Sundown Towns, where it talks about thousands of cities in America that at one time were all white. Now, of course, we can kind of suspect that to be true, but what they did to make sure these towns were all white, they would put <clears throat> signs at, at the beginning of the city that said, anybody black, you got to be out of this goddamn town by sundown or we're going to kill your ass. A lot of them had bells. The bell would ring at sundown. If you a nigga, you got to get out of there. If a black family moved in, they would shit on your uh, front porch. They would put signs on your front porch. They throw shit through your window. They would strategically fuck with your kids in school. So I bring that up because when I see cities like Paris, Texas, I'm sure it was a fucking sundown town at one point. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm sure it was a city that was all white purposely. Like some of these towns ain't all white because black folks just don't know about it. Nah, yeah. it's all white because they make sure our asses stay out of it. But what we need to do, like this sister, we need to be bold and say, nah, I'm not going to accept how you're going to treat me. You know what I mean? So I went on a tangent. But anyways, 
Thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. You listen to it on one of the digital platforms. Please remember to um, um, leave a review. It'll help me out. Please and thank you. This has been another episode of the Melanated Convo Podcast. We out.